Is it going to be great? It's going to be a show, and it's good yeah. to have you back. It's it's going to happen. It's it going to be something. It's going to be a show, so that, that's the main thing. Our, an hour and a half of content will come out, more than likely. <laughs> we should be more <laughs> excited about it. I am, actually. I just don't yeah. sound it. I'm, I'm very energy. Bring, bring it. Ugh. Maybe it's just watching those nets just brought me right down, because... Like they suck their life. I don't even like them as a team, but like just watching Kyrie go like three for thirteen and, and I, very funny. The box it score is funny says, though. <laughs> the box score says he has one turnover, but I reckon he made five turnovers, but they all went on other teammates because of the way he he's, did them. He's responsible. Yeah, he's only responsible for one. Yeah. Well, it's pretty funny. Like Simmons, he's cut. like it's like it's like watching Aaron Rodgers fail. I mean, it, there's some joy in it though too. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm like the the this is only one of I, I saw about five, but like there was a pick and roll. Simmons um, rolled to the basket. Um, Kyrie was driving, and Simmons was open. Where do you put the ball in that case? Six foot ten. Guy can get yeah, up to the rim. Exactly. Yeah. Put it, put it up high. You know. Yeah. Get the guy up to the basket. Put it yeah. at his ankles. That's that's what Perfect. you do if you're Kyrie, because you know, that's what that's where he'd like it. It's all about Kyrie yeah. and Alex Jones and uh. Kyrie, Alex Jones, uh, Joe Rogan, and Aaron Rodgers. The the holy. Uh, Quinetogy, <laughs> quality. <laughs> Oh, did we want to add to that energy? Yes, we do. Let's get rolling. Let's do it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine Podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Griff. It's the Beer Engine Podcast, back after our first break in what felt like probably at least a year, Tony. Probably. Uh, yeah, that's wild. Um, uh, certainly sorry to our handful of, uh, of very dedicated listeners, but also our millions of fans across the country uh, who are not as dedicated that don't join the Discord like they should. Um, that we, we weren't able to, uh, blast some more of this, uh, at you last week, but Hey, we're back. We're back. Not a problem. Uh, Tony, what were you up to during your, your week off? Um, were you say, uh, I don't know, getting in touch with Alex Jones lawyers or, you know, maybe giving him some advice on next steps. Uh, were you being investigated by the, Australian version of the FBI, whatever that is, or something. What was going on last week with you? That would be the Australian Federal Police. Uh, none of those things, because Norm Pattis, of course, um, was straight off to another court case, because grifters got a grift whether they're radio yeah, hosts can, or lawyers. Grifters have to keep it, grifting. It continues for him, yeah. yeah. No, um, I don't know whether we... Spoke about the judgment last time we were on. I, I can't remember how long we ago. did not. The ju- the judgment ha- has happened since because I um I know because my my dad was in the car when I heard about it. Um, but uh, yeah, what was it? Nine hundred and something million. Nine hundred and sixty-five <laughs> million dollars. 
Okay. Now what's now what's the now you know more about all this than me, but yep. I heard that and that just made me laugh because he's not going to be able to come up with I know. $965 million. Dollars. Now it's probably going to come probably going to come down on appeal nope. to some degree, nope. right? You don't know, no, it's not. Okay. This is different right. to Texas. These were not defamation damages. These were actual damages for the These um, are the right. pain and suffering they've caused in them having to hire um, security, move, right. um, mm-hmm. the damage caused to their reputation. And each of the plaintiffs, if you go back and look at the judgment that they received, each of the amounts that they received was different. So it wasn't like the jury just went out and said, we're going to punish Alex and we're going to put $60 million on every plaintiff. That's not how it went down. They went down, it was individualised. Even on um, the A and B complaints, they were different amounts for for some of the different... They, uh, went, they went and did the math. Yeah, they did yeah. the math. There's, there's no cap like Texas. So really the key thing about this is it's going to force Alex into bankruptcy and... Because this was forced through um, behaviour that's in the court system, he cannot discharge this debt after 20 years. So what it means is he will not be paying back a billion dollars. He doesn't have that. $250 million I think is about what he's got. But what they will be able to do is chase him like they did OJ. Okay. He has $250 million. <laughs> well, when you've got Peter Thiel allegedly giving him $10 million in Bitcoin. and That's fair, yeah. And you're doing $800,000 a day during CPAC in sales. Okay, that's not all profit, but probably three to 400000 of that is profit if you're a reasonable business person. And he's an evil person, right. but he's a reasonable business person. So he I mean, has those pills are just like made for a, a whole jug of them is made for like a penny in yeah. some Chinese sweat factory or whatever. Yeah, and they went through that in court. They're like, this beet juice that you're selling for 40 bucks on special, what does it cost you? And and the corporate rep- representative had to say it cost them $2. But, but they know yeah. it's a donation. So what it allows them to do is this debt won't be discharged. He can never run his operation... Um, to where it is right now because it'll take a couple of years for him to go through the court system and have his money stripped out and that'll take years. But any slip-up he makes, like OJ, yeah, he's, in trouble. He, he's going to be in trouble because of this money and they'll be able to continue to hound him. Any house he buys, any property he buys, any money he pushes into his children's name, any money that he pushes into his parents' name, all of that will be under scrutiny, will be looked at and he will spend his entire life in courts trying to um, weasel his way out of money. So this is kind of the perfect judgment. Um, the families will get some of that, um, which which is great. A lot of them are going to donate it to charity anyway. But the key thing for me is he can't get it discharged just by becoming a bankrupt. They're going to chase him for years and that is the perfect punishment in my view. And a lot of the media haven't actually reported that, that he's going to be chased year after year after year as um, lawyers and whatever else continue to hound Alex and he, he can't just discharge it in one bankruptcy hearing, which is 
a huge, huge win. And he has more. He's still got more left, right? I mean, it's yep. not, that's well, not it. Even in this case, um, we haven't got to the punity phase because in Connecticut, um, the judge actually awards the punitive damages. So that's a big right. difference between here and Texas. The actual damages in the Texas case were $4.5 million and the punitive was the other $45 million. And that's why they were reduced because there's a cap on the damages. Connecticut, very different rules. So we've still got that to play out. We've still got his lawyers potentially being sanctioned. That's going to be great to see as well. And then we've got perhaps the biggest case of them all is um, Lenny Posner. Um, that's going to be a huge case. He's one of the parents from um, the Sandy Hook parents and he was doxxed on air by Alex Jones. Mm. So that's going to be a bad one. Yeah. So he's probably looking at with the punitive. I mean, that judge didn't like him. No. Uh, he's he, he, and he wasn't very well behaved, nor were his lawyers. So what are we looking at there? Another hundred, two hundred. It <laughs> could potentially uh, be, but to make sure that the this is one of these cases where they probably have a right to appeal at, probably want to keep those reasonable. And the other thing, if Alex wanted to appeal a case, he'd need standing, which he has very little standing. Yeah, this case was run by the give book. Him that. And yeah, you don't want to hand him much of standing, anything, to, any legs to stand on for that. Yeah, and he has to put up ten percent of the damages as a bond um, to actually stay the case. So Jesus, otherwise it'll continue to go ahead, even if he appeals. So that's ninety, what ninety six, ninety six million dollars. Yeah. yeah, not a small bond. So which means I Alex wish, would have I mean, to liquidate shit regardless. Yeah, and he's gonna have to be careful too, because if he if he fucks around, like, couldn't he actually get in yeah. actual trouble? Where yes. he like goes to jail and shit. Yeah. With, with the tax office, yeah. the IRS. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 really the whole point of this judgment to get money out of him, but it's to make his life a living hell. <sighs> yeah, I wonder if that'll work. I, it seems like it will, but is he his shows? He's still making. He was on the air when his judgment came out, right? Yes, that was. Truly um, psychopathic in, in what, how he was saying. Yes, he's still on air, and because he hasn't been touched up until this point, he's still fundraising. So yeah. th- they can come directly for that money. They won't get it tomorrow, but they'll get it in two years. I mean, he's he's going to have to continue to fundraise, presumably, right? He's going to yeah. have to. Yep. And the, and the problem... With the challenge with that's going to be is everyone who's donating to it's just gonna be like, well, I'm just giving money directly to that thing that I was mad at a while ago. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. It, anything he yeah. raises, he's Alex isn't going to see that money. It's going to go straight to the families, and and they're the things that you're fighting against if you were to believe this guy. Oh, it's so good. And that's that yeah, was going to be good. Like one of the basic things during the trial. I'm sure I'm I'm boring people listening, but one of the most fun thing was. Um, Alex had a Bitcoin donation page, a crypto page. And, oh, yeah. And it was set up to save InfoWars. All the money went into his wallets personally, not into the corporation's pockets. So that's, right, that's a didn't. bit of a boo-boo if, if the uh, government get hold of that. Like that, that's another area where he could come under scrutiny. And there's potentially another um, Trade Practices Act. Um, I mean, 
around this. I tend to believe with this guy, um, one other problem for him is that not that, not that the, uh, you know, U S fucking justice system or the FBI are any good, but, um, I would guess the FBI has a long file on this guy that pretty much knows where all of his money is. <laughs> and uh, I think that's going to be, that's possibly an issue for him too. Is he that, is, uh, it's not really going to be easy for him to hide money. I, I feel like he, he probably is well documented um, you, like anybody pretty much who's um, out there pounding the table against the government, whether it be right wing or left wing for that yeah. matter. See, I, I don't know. Whether that's really true, you, you could be right, but he's not a guy that wields tremendous power. That's the thing. He, he wields tremendous had, hurt, but does he actually have you any can, real you power? Can, no, but you can look back and, I mean, you know, we're more Howard's in sympathists than the Alex Jones crew, but um, Howard's in had a lengthy file with the FBI. It came out after he died, so... Howard Zinn didn't have a TV show or a TV, probably. Uh, Or or did he uh, rebuild the church in Waco, which was one of the first things Alex did? So actually, come to think of it, they've probably got a huge list on Alex. Right, that's what I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, if they had one on Howard Zinn, relatively peaceful guy who wrote, like, you know, a book or whatever, uh, I think Alex (laughs) Jones, they they at least got some, they got a dossier on the fellow or something. Um, speaking of guys who are getting involved with the FBI, uh, do you are t- Tony? How familiar are you with this B- Brett Favre character? Have you heard of him before? Um, played played the quarterback position for the Green Bay Packers a long, long time ago. Are you sure about that? I always thought he was a Minnesota Viking for life. You you, you remember him as a New York Jet, I presume? But um, <laughs> he. Uh, he, I, I, I find his story pretty fascinating because his is just a pure swindle. Yes. Uh, there's no yep. fucking, there's no fucking bit to it or anything. He just essentially asked the Mississippi government to take money out of the welfare program and put it into his kids' fucking volleyball program or whatever. <laughs> You're like, goddamn, oh. that's amazing. Mississippi, the like poorest and least educated state. Um, yep. Through their own fault, I mean their own government structure. I mean not the not the people's fault, but the the way that the government has been corrupt and shitty for nigh on 150 years. Um, yeah, really goes back and, to how that and, state uh, is set up. Right, exactly, and uh, it just never ends. And now they're just giving handouts to the Brett Favre. Um, that that story, I don't follow it as close as anything, but I just no. I, that one blew me away. It's that's just that's just straight up stupidity. I mean, there's it's not even corruption with like any sort of conniving nature or anything. It's just goofy, flat out goofy with with easily exposed text messages and shit. It's just brazen. That's what it is. It's kind of like the Aunt Becky from Full House college admissions thing. Oh yeah, this was. Did you watch that movie? That was a that was no. the best. No, I haven't. Oh, it's a documentary on the on the. Uh, check it out on Netflix. The guy, the guy who is running the scam. Uh, it's all about him. It's it's really good. Well, but it's the same idea. It's I wield enough power in these areas that I can get away with this shit, and I don't even need no. to hide my activities. Um, no, I can just do whatever I want. Yeah, and it, and how much of those last two quarterbacks tarnished? Um, 
any sort of neutral support for the Green Bay Packers. The last two I mean, real even Wisconsin seems to the Wisconsinites seem to be have have, have uh, uh, even dislike Favre at least, if not Rogers, most of them. But um, I mean, I think Brett Favre is going to have a hard time getting an invite back to Lambeau anytime soon. Excellent. Uh, seems to be pretty widely disliked at this point. Yeah, pretty funny. Um, I mean, I'm no big football fan, but, but it is funny to see the Packers, uh, like best time of their history by far, uh, get totally languished in these goofball um, right-wing weirdos yeah. uh, who are either straight-up stealing or um, have just become total freaks. Okay, I know, I know we don't like to talk a lot of football on this show, but can we just take a second to talk about Herschel Walker? Oh, yeah. How? Yeah, I didn't watch that. I couldn't sit through that uh, debate. I, I, there's been videos and stuff. I was just like, I just couldn't force myself to look at that. Well, not even sitting through the debate, just uh, like like his son, who is crazy out of touch with the real world, um, just essentially turned on his father. He's like, that. that is the most fun part for me. It's like when your yeah. own family. I mean, it's the whole... Um, you know, whatever her name is, the uh, fucking Trump lady, the lady who worked, the blonde-haired lady who worked in the White House with her Kaylee kid, McEnany. who's all over. Kaylee, yeah. Uh, no, it's the other one. No, Kellyanne Conway, oh, her yeah. daughter, who totally turned on her or whatever, you know, yep. that, that one. Uh, the funniest thing is, it doesn't even, we, we can't even tell if Herschel Walker's, like, support has changed. It doesn't even seem like it matters. Uh, no. It's, it's... Well, there's a I mean, so in a couple of the polls, uh, the guy Warnock picked up a couple points, I guess. So two or three points that is a lot at the end of the race here. It is. So it still looks like he's going to win. I mean, it looks like Walker's going to lose, anyways. That's all it matters. But it's still not much. You no. know what I mean? Um, it, it's it's pretty. I mean, there's still forty something percent of the. <laughs> the voters are going to vote for him 45 or more percent. You know what I mean? It's, yep. it's, uh, it's pretty crazy to think about that. So um, I've just got to shift gears again onto another right wing grifter. It's been a while since we've caught up. Don't you have to give yeah, it up for, they're all out there. for Candace Owens and what mm. she's been able to pull off? So do you realize what, why do, we, what do I have to get? What do I have to? Okay. <laughs> You absolutely do not have to give it up for Candace Owens, but anyways, <laughs> go on. Well, I'm just saying, if a grifter's going to grift, she knows how to fucking grift. So the reason she's behind I mean, all these guys, she's got thrown her support behind uh, Yeezy um, with his white oh, lies yeah. matter shirt and whatever else, is because uh, <laughs> this is fucking Zion. <laughs> Uh, insane anti-Semite. Yeah, shit too. but there's a reason why she's standing him so hard, because she, um, uh, Kanye bought a uh, tech business recently. I'm not sure whether you're aware. Little uh, business called Parlor. And that yeah, I cut- saw that. Yeah, and Henderson Zone. And do you know who the um, the CEO was? Was it Candace Owens? It was Candace's Owens' husband. So that's the reason. I mean, why. it wasn't doing very 
good. It's like the second most popular of those, right? I mean, if not the third, yeah. Uh, because like Truth, Truth Social is doing more. They're they're doing some more retruthing than Parlor is, right? I mean, there's. It's a failing platform, uh, so they had to get out, and that's why they sold it to Kanye, and that's why she, in the past uh, month or so, has okay. been pushing so hard. Do you see the pieces come together now? This is not something where she genuinely supports him. This is a bit to make sure that she and her husband get paid when Kanye buys his company and Parler goes away. Um, yeah. Good, good gag. Uh, I mean, between... <laughs> Between Truth Social, Parlor, and Gab, we must be up. They must be up to what two hundred thousand users. Uh, it's crazy. Um, There's a lot of crossover, <laughs> and a lot of them have multiple accounts. Yeah, they're probably a lot of the same guy. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of them are bots or whatever. But you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, that is all the very depressing, Tony. We do have the election coming up here, um, which I, you know, I did get my ballot today. I'm, I'm, I'm a little. I would say I'm a little anxious that I, I think Nevada Nevada has a streak of it just hates whoever's in charge right now. Yeah. Um, and it'll just flip back and forth for eternity. Uh, so I, I, I guess I'm not feeling too great about what what we're about to, what's about to do, go down here. But um, then again, it's one of the Nevada is one of those places that's run pretty much mostly by the Gaming Commission. So <laughs> I'm not sure how much it matters or not. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I got that today and I'm like, boy, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to hold my nose and vote for some of these fucking, yeah. uh, you know, Nixon Democrats essentially. And just, that really is the case. Just try to avoid, avoid, in, avoid insanity for another couple of years. Yeah. It's, it's not like you're voting for people that you really like. That's why I don't really understand a lot of people that go out and campaign for like these, these milk toast Democrats. But it's the lesser of two evils, for fuck's sake. Yep. Like that, that's what it is. Th- those crazy like right wingers and, and and nut jobs on any any side of the spectrum, they're the dangerous ones. Like I I don't understand like simping for these um these middle of the road um, pro Israeli yeah, Democrats. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not getting out there and you know, uh, handing out flyers for. Catherine Cortez Masto or whatever, you know, we're just, we're just going to try to survive for a few more years is really all we're trying to do here. We really don't want to not yeah. really, uh, thinking about how awesome, uh, she is or what she's doing. Cause it, it frankly is not a lot. Um, but we're just gonna, we're just going to try to muscle through a little bit longer. Yep. Yep. Oh, well, under brighter news, yeah. the NBA is to the, about the fun stuff. Yeah, I know the Bulls win uh, a game that I had no faith in them winning tonight yep. uh, without Zach Levine. I, I I was sitting there watching the game and watched Io Desumu knock down two threes in a row. I thought I was rubbing my eyes like, oh, shit, really? Um, he dropped 17 or, or 19 or something, and um, that was enjoyable. Nice yeah. win on the road for the Bulls to start the year, get them a little confidence. I, I still only think they're about a 44-win team. Now, but um, if they stay healthy-ish yeah. without Lonzo, they could probably creep around 50 for a while. You know, I mean, they look pretty. If Io takes the step up that it looks like he did in one game, then they'll be, you know, they'll be pretty dangerous. 
Yeah, so that, that's what I was going to ask. Like last year in relative terms was a fairly successful season for the Bulls. And yeah. while you're missing Lonzo, is there enough there to sneak into the playoffs and then get lucky come playoff time? Yeah. I think um, if Lonzo came back, they're actually a top half of the East team. Um, top half of the playoffs, I mean. Yep. Or close. Five or maybe a, between a one and a six. Um, uh, I will say, you know who's more important to the Bulls than you ever realize is watching today is Caruso, how much he changes the game for the Bulls. Yep. Um, they are so different when he's playing. Um, and uh, Io can do about 90-something percent of what Lonzo does on defense, if not all of it, but only about 65% about what, what he does on offense is the problem. Um, so I, I think with those, if they have both those guys healthy, Caruso and Io, the defense all of a sudden is actually decent, although they played like dog shit in the first quarter because they had 33 points in the first quarter. They actually locked him down for the rest of the game. So what's that, 75 through the rest of the game? That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, that's about where you so want to be. They, they, um, that's about where you want to be. So I, I think um, if the defense, if the perimeter defense can can stay steady without Lonzo and they can squeeze just, just enough offense out of, uh, I mean, you know what they're going to get from Levine and Demar. Yep. But between Goran Dragic, Io, and Caruso, on the what can they do? You know, can they at least like make the right pass and? Yes. Uh, get the ball to Vooch where he can do something and make enough threes. That's really what they're going to have to do. So if they do like tonight and they shoot well, they're going to be fine. But if uh, they're going to have bad shooting nights and Levine's going to have to like rescue them or DeMar and we'll see how often that can happen. But that, that really is the NBA in a nutshell. At least you've got those guys that can rescue you on those nights. Like if, if you didn't have yeah. them, that would be the big issue because – you NBA teams are not consistent. Even over the course of a game, you get just up. too many, too many games. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, it's yeah, not even too. too many games. It's just the sport. There are too many possessions within the sport. You are just looking to win fifty-one percent of the time, and and sometimes you're going to need the players to get you over the line, the superstars to get you over the line when the rest of the team aren't doing enough, and then your superstars are going to have off nights, and you're going to hope that that your evenness will, will pull you through. It's unlike the NFL that's that's where every possession kind of matters. The NBA as a sport and basketball as a sport is a 51-49 game. If you get that 51% edge, that's what makes great teams. And, and like, even when we're talking about extremely good teams that have huge records, yeah. the amount of games that they squeak out – Bulls in 96, 97 era, uh, there weren't always 20-point games. Sure, there was yeah. during the you, season, but you, there's there's 20 games there that they could have lost if they didn't have those 51, 49 plays yeah. during a game. You wonder a little bit, too, um, when's this heat? The Heat are going to count a lot on um, – and, and maybe this is part of the Heat are going to take a little bit of a drop this year, too, because how – how many years in a row can Jimmy play 38 minutes a game and also Kyle Lowry play 37 minutes a game? Uh, it's just at some point we may 
I, as much as I respect both of those guys, I don't know how how long how long that's a feasible yeah uh, behavior for them. So, but it's been a feasible. It's been something that they've done their whole careers. So yes, there's going to be a drop off. I I I'm not seeing signs yet that it's going to be this year. Kyle Lowry put up the classic 35 minutes, two points, four assists. So yeah. uh, maybe, I mean, that's one game. So maybe he's, you know, whatever, could have had a bad game. I probably did. But, you know, he's going to have to do a little more for you in 35 minutes, I think. But, like, this is essentially opening night. I know there was two games last night. But let's let's just look at some of the results and to show how little sure. they'll have a bearing on the season. Uh, the Nuggets are down 65-80 to 80 against Utah at the moment. Um, Utah are going to be a terrible team. They're going to be lucky to win. Utah is awful, yeah. 20 yeah, games. that's true. It doesn't matter. Um, no, yep. Utah is going to be terrible. Absolutely. I uh, mean, among, Raptors, among the worst teams. The Raptors got over the Cavaliers. I think the Cavaliers are a good team this year. Um, but opening night, um, Raptors got that win. Hornets... Spank Spurs. Spurs are not a good team, but neither is Charlotte. Charlotte are a terrible, terrible team. Um, Spurs might be one of the worst, though, too. That, that's true. Um, Grizzlies, Knicks, okay, that went to script. Um, Detroit beating Orlando. Well, they're two middle-of-the-road teams. Yeah, whatever, who cares, yeah. Um, I do actually think this is a representative um, scoreline, and that is Pelicans-Nets. Because I watched a lot of that game, and those those Brooklyn Nets, they're fucking awful. Yeah, they're 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 a fart, man. It, it, watching them is a drag. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's sad to watch them. I mean, it, it's it's you know you kind of get a little giggle out of watching Kyrie for a little bit, but ugh, it's it, it is like not a fun watch. I mean, maybe they're going to put it, and we always think they're going to put it together, but they, I mean, they are. They never seem to put it together. They're just a mess. Okay, so here's a here's a hot take. Kyrie gets 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 twinge and misses twenty games. I think Brooklyn will pull together. Then I think Kyrie is that disruptive sure. as an individual 15 player. Fifteen and fifteen and five without Kyrie during yeah. his, his yeah yeah. I reckon uh, that's that would surprise me because he just sucks the life out of. A team. We saw it in Boston. I think Boston is the ultimate example of who Kyrie is right now. When he was with LeBron, it was like LeBron's team and he was willing to begrudgingly be He didn't have a choice. I mean, and Le- LeBron's a little bit of a he, – he's nothing like uh, Michael in terms of anger, but he is a huge personality. So he, yep. he was in charge of the team. There was no doubting that, you know. Yep, but now that like there's talk that they may reunite, but I can't see LeBron being able to control Kyrie right now in what he's become. Yeah, this era of Kyrie is a little different. I think he's in his he's in his uh, f- fucking uh, constantly has to be on TV. Yep. Uh, now era. here's my thought: he's a better basketball version, but a bigger distraction off court. He is. Russell Westbrook 2.0 in late career, Russ, what he has become. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know because uh, I do think Russell for all of his faults sure did like playing basketball. And, this is true. Uh, 
Kyrie seems to be somewhat indifferent to that. <laughs> uh, Russ, if Russ, if Russ isn't playing, I mean, he's one of the guys who, when he retires, I'm gonna be like, okay, we got to keep a man around Russ, uh, so he doesn't like, you know, take a bunch of fentanyl or anything. But uh, uh, Kyrie doesn't seem to really give a shit about basketball too much. No, uh, most of the time, yeah, too busy commenting on Australia I, and and what a shithole it is and all that sort of stuff. Man, you can get punched in the face by a kangaroo there. They got them big spies. Look out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The net sucking is both funny and depressing because it's – Kevin Durant's like one of the great players of uh, the last, you know, of ever, essentially. Yep. And uh, nobody's ever been like him, and he's languishing on this garbage team by his own volition, of course. I know yep. he didn't have to go play there. But – uh, it's still not cool. I still don't enjoy watching his talent get totally wasted and years of his career go down the, the toilet. I mean, that's not that fun to think about. You know, whether he's doing it to himself or not isn't particularly cool to me. Um, it would be cool if he was playing for like a decent team. You know, I mean, put him on. Think about how many good teams he could be on that could use that. You know, he would change immediately. You know, yep. uh, but, okay, uh, but would he? Like, yes, he puts up a score, and I get that that's important in the NBA, but how many of these teams does he fundamentally change with his style of play? He adds points, which is a great finisher to many teams, but to get KD, you often have to cut another superstar loose. Um, I don't think he's as as big a game changer. Golden State would love to move Draymond for KD. But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, but that's not a fair squad. <laughs> that's, that's... No, I know. There is no fair. There's no fair swap for uh, for KD, I don't think. I mean, but. Uh... No, the fair swap there is, because they're similar ages, is, is Steph and and KD. And they're not going to make that no, move. That's probably not. They're not going to do that. They're not going to no, do that. that. Do them. Yeah, well, it doesn't make any sense for them. No. So, so you can say, yeah, put him on all these other teams, but all these other teams, you have to subtract their lead superstar. I like, I like Zach Levine fine, but if the Bulls moved off Zach Levine and brought in Durant, I think that would be an upgrade. And I and go and Lonzo to get that deal, to deal done. Done. Sign it. <laughs> so I reckon you're taking a step backwards with all those three gone. I don't know. Uh, maybe the Lonzo part would bug me, but uh, I, I think uh, it's not like he's playing a lot. <laughs> oh, so right. what have you been that's, up to? That's enough. Well, that's we... enough ignorant basketball talk for us. What have I been up to? I don't know. You know, had a bunch of visitors last week, Tony. That's what kept us off the show. It wasn't Tony getting arrested or abducted by aliens or into a bare knuckle boxing match or whatever else uh, he might he might. I find his way into it was me. I had my dad here. He was, uh, you know, he was going ham in Vegas, uh, doing his very best to only lose $20 at a time with no actual possibility of winning any money. Uh, my favorite gambling technique, um, is very strange. Uh, but it was fine. We, we played approximately 28 minutes of blackjack. Um, <laughs> approximately. That cool. That's a very exact number for approximately. It was it was somewhere between twenty six and twenty nine, so I'm, I'm, I leaned a little high, I guess. Yeah, uh, I only based that based on how long my car was plugged into the 
charge point doodad, which said 33 minutes. I'm like, all right, so it takes two and a half, three minutes to walk between the garage and the casino. Oh, and uh, sit down, buy in. All right. Uh, you know, you can calculate that out. Yep. Um, before that, Kelly had some of her friends in town, and we were eating at a bunch of nice restaurants and getting real fat is what I was doing. Um, went to a, we went to Bobby Flay's new place, Tony. How was it? Uh, Amalfi. It was fucking awesome, dude. Uh, we spent way too much money, uh, but it was insanely good. They were just doing like, you would love it. You're a big, you're a seafood fan, right? Yep, Tony, absolutely. you're a seafood. Yep. It was all just like that day's pick seafood. We got the one, they were like, we got a fish. Uh, we'll do a turbo for all four of you. So they did, they got the turbo out, they cut into four fillets and they make one for all of you and they give you three different, it's just grilled up salt and pepper, easy. Um, and then they give you just three different sauces you can put on there. One was like Calabrian chili. Um, one was like a lemon and caper type sauce. And then one was like a, more like a chimichurri type sauce. Now I'm going to say um, that you went, they were all amazing. You went deep on the chili sauce. I went on all three, but I, I think the chili is my favorite. I mean, I just love that that Italian pickled chili taste. It's really good. But the fish had a ton of flavor, and it was already very buttery. Yeah. It was killer. They, they were clearly brushing that shit with butter and then flipping it over on the grill. It was it was very good. Um, a lot of other good seafood dishes. They were doing the squid ink pasta with, like, the crab and uni and stuff on it. That was so good. Um, that place rocks. It's expensive though. So it's a special occasion place. It's not as, I mean, even Mesa was maybe only 60% of what this place costs. (laughs) It was a, it's expensive restaurant and it's a steakhouse type price. You're looking at a two hundo ahead about if you really want to go all out, you don't have to go all out, but if you want to go try all the stuff, get all the seafood, how about 200 a pop? And you know, that's not too horrible for a Vegas high end Vegas restaurant, but, uh, but it it's, is pushing towards the very high end for sure. So you want it to be yeah. good regardless of name. It's got to be good. And it was. It was It was all really, really, really delicious. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had a nice time there. Um, we took my dad to Main Street Provisions, which is in the Arts District. That was not quite $200 a head, but it <laughs> is awesome. Everything was really good there too. So had a few good meals. Uh, I'm eating vegetables for the rest of this week, pretty much before I go on vacation again, Tony. So then I'm then I'm actually go. I'm going somewhere. Not I'm not bringing everyone else here. I'm I'm going somewhere, which will be cool. Good on you. Yeah, that's about, right. About time that's you got out and saw the rest of the world because I know I know you do love to tra- travel. But since we've started doing this podcast, of course, there's this little thing around the globe that has put that to a um, yeah. It's, well, it's I'm not doing down. quite as much. Yeah, uh, I was in Seattle for a weekend a while back. That was yeah. nice. And uh, we did our Copenhagen trip, but it'll be nice. We're going out to the Carolinas. It'll be nice. Not too not too distant, but, you know, other side of this uh, country. So uh, go drink. Go, hey, Tony, I'm going to Burial. Remember Burial? Remember when I would drink Burial beers all the time? I'm fucking going there. <laughs> How about that? How could I forget? You, you say this like yeah. I'm able to forget about burial beers, but there's no way I could forget about burial beers. That used to be a weekly thing, your burial shipment from Tavor or yeah. wherever you were getting it. I buy all my packing peanuts. My packing peanuts flying at me. I should have, I should bring some and throw them in their face. <laughs> Take that, fuckers. Just toss them at them. Uh, no, I'm actually going to 
go to their place in Nashville. They have three of them there, so I'm at least going to try to get to one or two. Um, I'm I'm pumped. I can't wait. They 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 just had their big festival too, so they're going to have a bunch of leftovers uh, still available. So it's kind of the best time to go for that post festival. I know. Um, I don't. Oh, our, our listener Max has been to Asheville a few times. So, Max, if you got any Asheville favorites, uh, throw them our way, uh, and maybe we can maybe we can find our way into these places. Um, but I'll have some highlights from that in a couple weeks. Next week, I think uh, I will be on a break still, just as an update. But I'm I think we're going to try to get uh, we're going to try to get one of our big 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 gets. Uh, in fact, a, a world famous touring comic, I think, might find his way out of the show next week at some point. Yep. Stay tuned for Bill Burr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's only, it could only be either Bill Burr or John Mullaney. So, I mean, good luck, guys, uh, figuring, that, figuring that out. All right, Tony, why don't we, uh, what do we think? Want to hop onto the Discord? Let's see here what we got. Uh, ooh, uh, beer chat. Beer chat's a good one. Beer, beer chat. Good one. We had a lot of beer chat's a big one. We had a lot going on in beer chat this week, gang. Um, it was popping. Let's let's back up. We're gonna back up all the way to since we last did the show, and we're just gonna when was look that? at some of these amazing oh. months, months and months ago. I I yep. think at least. Um, we are going to go back t- to a lot of it's Nick Tork. <laughs> Nick Tork, my man. This man is out drinking, which we we love and appreciate. We that. fully support that. Um, hell yeah, I'm into it. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, w Tudes VSOR on tap. That was a uh, I think maybe the last one we had. Um, uh, I, some nice ones to me. Uh, thank you uh, to myself for posting this picture of Field to Ferment, an amazing beer. Um, get on there and drink Field to Ferment if you're in the West Coast somewhere. Uh, Nick Tork, ancient traveler from Little Creatures, single batch Ethiopian black barley stout. So, Tony, does this mean there's coffee? Or, okay, so the black barley is Ethiopian. Not the, no. this is, I mean, that's not a. I think of. I think of. A beer with single batch Ethiopian. I'm thinking that's a coffee. Yes, but uh, that in this case, it is actually the grain has come from Ethiopia. Is that correct? All right, all right. So that looks good. That it does look. That's a nice glass from Nick Torque. I like that. It's yeah. like a spirally uh, kind of stemless ale glass or wine glass. Kind of yep. cool. Oh, Max Allotment drinking some bitter at from uh, the seed in Atlantic City, uh, eating his fish and chips. Uh, oh, but he's watching American football, so the they may the, uh, the guys are picking it up. Hand egg. Now I've got to um, say, big fan of the glassware that Max is drinking. His that's his a pint. that's your standard nonic pint, nonic I believe. Pint, yes. Great glass. Uh, Nick Tork back on the little creature stuff. Uh, oh, he found this at Aldi, it sounds like. 13 bucks, um, a full pack. Great value. Little creature pale ale. Nice, nice pour on that. Uh, um, w2. Uh, oh, W2, who had some field to ferment because I sent it to him for sending me all that revolution um, 
barley wine and stout. I uh, hope that was enjoyable. W twos. He's watching uh, the Atlanta Braves by the look of it. Yeah, well, they not anymore because they are out. The Atlanta Braves have have been booted from the playoffs. The, the tomahawk chop has left the building. Um, Corey drinking some barrel aged pumpkin stout, super jelly of this. I bet this is good. Schlafly barrel aged pumpkin stout. Um, he did show me a review uh, in a private message that said uh, it was from Bort. Um, if you guys know the Simpsons joke about Bort, yep. uh, Bort gave it a four and a half, and apparently Bort hit it on the nail, uh, hit the nail on the head, as it were, because uh, that was quite enjoyable. Um, Max was getting real I, mad. I do want to say, so So Max and PMAC both had some thoughts about uh, doing beer uh, uh, trades, quote-unquote. I would love to do some beer trades with either of you guys and and, and with the uh, – Tony, you and I have never actually sent beer to each no. other, so I would love to do that. Um, I think it could be okay uh, based on my cursory research. Um, at least okay in a way where I won't get arrested or anything. Okay. Like, whatever. If something happens, I, I I know. So I just don't care. If, I just don't want to get like a government fine. How about that? <laughs> um, so absolutely, I would be interested, PMAC. Just uh, if you find out how we could do this, I'd be glad to pack up a nice uh, little uh, get up of of West Coast IPA and maybe a couple stouts. Same with you, Max. Max, if you wanna you wanna do some trading, you need some West Coast IPA and some Freem pills. You, I am here for it. Yeah, uh, I am glad to have those things wherever. Well, I, I was thinking, like, maybe the best way to do it is make this into an international beer event. Like, get the Australian government involved. Let's make it a major event. Getting, getting the government involved always makes it faster and easier. That's a great point. Um, I think I think that's a good idea. Now, I remember a while back, uh, actually, a funny story about governments shipping beer was Maine and Iceland did some kind of beer trade. Um, but they just sent each other shipping containers full of, um, I, well, I don't even think of that. I think it was literally had the keg fridge in it and the tappers. <laughs> so they just sent a big shipping container that had been designed and they just dropped it into a beer festival pretty much, drove it over, <laughs> plopped it there, poured all the main beer out of one thing, then just literally picked it back up and shipped it back to Maine. And in Maine, they had one from Iceland that was pouring all Iceland beers. So there were these custom fridges that just fit right into a shipping container that ended up uh, trading nations, which that sounds great to me. I would love that idea. Yep. Um, anyways, uh, PMAC, let me know what we find out, if you find out anything different than me. To me, it seems like feasible if I pack it well. So um, I bet we could pull it off. Uh, Max drinking some Cape May Red Ale. Wow, a hoppy red. No, this is a actually it's in sixty shilling, not a hoppy red. Uh, just a scot, more like a Scotch ale. Yep. Um, very nice. Um, w twos at Off Color, great place. Uh, Nick Torque at what is it? Victorian Brewery sixty one thirty five. No, that oh sixty of his one hundred and thirty five breweries. He, he's he's trying to hit oh. up all one hundred and. 35 of the breweries in the oh, state. Oh, I get it. Okay. I was like, so he was at Three yeah, Ravens at four breweries. At Three Ravens. This place looks like kind of a cool little, um, more like a, more like a, a 
know, divey, not divey, but like a more down home pub, neighborhood pub. Um, yep. I'm looking at this draft list at what is this called? Three Ravens and Thornberry. Yep. Draft logger, tropical pale. Let's look at this list, Tony. We got a draft logger, tropical pale, 4.2 percent. An extra pale, 4.2. A it's called acid, a sour beer, three and a half. Day roller, a hoppy red ale, three and a half. New world, which will be a pale, uh, lime juice, pale ale, lime juicy, and IPA, New England IPA. Uh, Huggin is a Roush beer, chocolate coconut shake, which is a milkshake IPA, and Nevermore Stout, a spice stout. So, Tony, what do you like on that list? I actually think Day Roller would be my go-to. Um, I'm a sucker for right. a hoppy red ale at the moment. I don't know whether I it's do love a hoppy red ale. It's kind of old school, but I I love them. So that that would be my go-to. Griff, what would your choice have been? Ooh, tropical pale ale sounds good. I, I think that one sounds good, but I am I, I honestly um, more my. Extreme morbid curiosity uh, would have some. Well, no, I, I don't think I could do chocolate coconut shake, but the spice stout sounds good. I think I could get down on a spice stout on a cool day. Um, looks like he went with the. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? That is that the red ale and the draft lager? That's my guess. It could be. It's sort of hard to tell, but they are two very distinct colors. But you never know how uh, dark that that dark beer is. It's always deceiving in photographs. And then we had Tallboy and Moose, a, a Kavik Red IPA pass on that, and a Pilsner Poutine. He's got some poutine here. I think I could go for more gravy on this poutine, Tony. What do you think? Without a doubt, that was undersourced. But uh, yeah. Tallboy and Moose do some um, do some really really interesting beers. They're not always beers that I. Love, but they they play around with Australian native spices. They play around with Quebec yeast. They're the only ones in Australia really still fooling around with that yeast um, quite yeah. often. But um, they they do some interesting stuff, and it's good to see somebody sort of pushing those those limits in Australia, even if it's not always my cup of tea. He was at Bonehead Brewing here drinking, uh, what is this, uh, American Red Ale yep. now, and the- drinking Mild Ale. That looks nice, the Mild Ale in the nice tulip glass. All right. Yep. Doesn't look like they've got any of their um, um, fest beers because that, that was really nice. I had some of their, mm-hmm. um, their Martson um, from from Bonehead. Um, really enjoyed it. So. Um, well, the- the, the the mild ale is the high tea, a barrel fermented dark mild. I would absolutely drink that. That sounds delicious. Yep, that does sound delicious. Um, I've had a couple of their beers. Uh, I, I, I quite enjoyed the bonehead stuff that I've had. Then we had a dog shit brewery, apparently, because he went to Henry Street Brewhouse Garbage Flat Roush Beer. Ooh. Uh, so nice. Nothing like a still Roush beer to make your day go by. Um, but that was quite the, that was quite the Saturday for Nick Torque. Um, Max Lottman drinking some Tonewood and watching the Phillies who are still around. Oh, I drank the biscuit ale. Just wanted to put out that I did drink the biscuit ale and, and it was, 
Sad, sadly uneventful. Oh. It had very little taste. Uh, a little bit of sweet strawberry flavor. No biscuit. Uh, mediocre blonde ale flavor. Not great. Uh, was not a fan. Uh, but I did make it up by drinking some Goose Uridan right after that. That was I delicious. That. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, drank some lager on Sunday. I did. I did drink. I did stay out a little too late on Sunday, like an idiot. Um, drinking lager and hanging out with uh, some of our friends. Uh, but this fest beer was very nice when I was doing that. Uh, Carton, Max Allotment, Carton released a can-conditioned Keller beer, uh, earthy as hell with a lemony herbal vibe and a nice dose of ethyl alcohol heat. Ooh. All right, I would absolutely try that. That's interesting. Not sure if I need ethyl alcohol yeah. heat in a in a Keller, Keller beer. beer, but okay. I like the idea of can-conditioned Keller beer, but, yeah, the ethyl alcohol gets me a little, a little worried. One more thing. I do want to talk about this after just – Blasting through all these. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, this is from Revolution today. This came out today. Um, so uh, Revolution says uh, to a picture, and I will tell about the picture afterward, that this is a pretty good way to get us to stop doing draft variants. We love the enthusiasm, but this risks our license, so don't. So it is somebody who is taking a picture in their car of two Essentially, they look like baby bottles. Yes, they do. Of um, uh, they went to. They says they went to the death the death release yesterday at Revolution, but didn't have time to stay for the draft variant, so I got them to go. I call this format crawlers, and I must say, baby bottles are a pretty good to go vessel. So they didn't actually order them to go. No, nope. they what they did was uh, buy them, uh, pour them, sneakily pour them into these baby bottles. And then um, drive them home in their car, <laughs> which you're not supposed to do. Which, okay. Um, License ramifications, I can understand why Revolution are kind of pissed at this. To me, the big issue is the quality of beer that you're going to be getting. Dog shit. Yes. Yep. Because, like, I'm one person, one thing that I'm sensitive around beer is oxidization and carbonation levels. I know oh, these are yeah. big beer, don't need a lot of carbonation levels. That's probably fine. But the amount of oxygen being shaken into those things from the initial pour into the baby bottles to the Jesus to the carry Christ. home, just fucking awful. Um, just and the headspace. I mean, there's so much space in there. I know. The bottles are 50% full. It's ridiculous. God. And the, um, hey, that's the masking tape um, labels. Super classy. You can't be pouring your beer into these. I mean, I've seen people doing it with vials or with um, whatever, little tiny bottles. Or you just cannot. You just we can't be doing that. You just no. have to drink the beer. I don't. Yes. I don't know what. I don't know what to tell you. If you can't stay, then you can't. Yeah, you, know, you miss just out part on the of, beer. Hey, big deal. Sometimes you have uh, the wor- You have responsibilities in your life that will keep you from doing everything it is you want to do it. In ever, yep. uh, and you just got to live with that, you know. So do not do this. Um, is my advice. Very stupid, and the beer won't even taste good. You're not even gonna get. You're not even gonna get any payoff for it. So fucking stupid as hell. Um, 
Tony, I don't know. Let's see what else we got. We got a little food talk here, Tony. So I, I know you want to talk about your new toy. So real quick, let me just say, uh, Corey posted about his, the, um, we didn't really talk about the new nacho fries at Taco Bell with truff sauce. Tony, are you familiar with truff sauce? I wasn't until Corey posted this, and then I had to um, click on his link, and yeah, apparently um, it's a truffle. It's a truffle hot sauce, which sounds like um, ass to me. I've got to be honest. I love truffle, but it's meant to be a subtle flavour. It shouldn't be anywhere near vinegar and spice, in my view. That's just that's just me. Yeah, uh, it's described on Truff's website as being like, like sriracha and truffle oil had a baby. Yeah, that doesn't sound that. good to me. Yeah, no, I don't know about this one, um, but maybe I would try it because I'm a, I'm a pig. Who cares? Uh, but Tony, looks like you got yourself a little a little toy here. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so got myself um, a pizza oven. I went with the Uni, who are. I think one of the best in the portable market. There are a couple of different brands. So this is a wood fire slash coal fire pizza oven. Does up to sixteen inch bases. I've done one run on commercial dough balls. Um, so got them home, let them expand, and uh, shove them in the oven. Really, really good oven. Um, got it up to four hundred degrees Celsius. Probably need to manage the fire a bit more. That. Um, even for Neapolitan pizza is sort of pushing the upper boundaries of where you need to be. The the pizza was done in about a minute and 15 seconds. Um, it was really delicious. Just so far I've kept it to the traditional um, Neapolitan-style pizza, the margarita-style, just sauce, cheese mm-hmm. and basil. Fucking delicious. Because in Mafra, as Nick knows, and I'm sure if PMAC knows anything about country towns in Australia – we have a really um, patchy um, ability to get good quality pizza and or any good quality takeaway. So we've we're left with one pizza shop in the town, and it's not good. So this was a must have mm. for a pizza head like me. Okay, uh, now where where are you getting store bought dough? What is your store bought dough? In the supermarkets, um, we have dough balls ready to go in a packet. Um, you um, take them out of the fridge three hours before you want to use them um, and you cover them and just do a, a late proof and then they're ready to go and be stretched and and, and go as a pizza. Is this not something that's available in America? Um, it's not a pre-made it, it's yeah, I don't know if I've seen it quite like that, but I'm sure you can find it. Um, so Neapolitan, you're going to do a lot of Neapolitan, I presume, right? So you're yep. just gonna, or margarita types. Uh, what other toppings are you looking at putting on this thing? Well, tomorrow I'm going to be doing dough from scratch. I've already got it underway. Going to be doing a peppers and sausage uh, pizza because I mm-hmm. really love that combo. Excuse me. <coughs> um, there he goes. I'm also going to do a cheese pizza. I know you weren't really wrapped in my idea of a cheese pizza, but you get yourself some good ricotta, some good mozz, mm-hmm. and some, well, pecorino, which is always delicious. Love a white pizza. Want to do an apple and bacon pizza. <coughs> Want to oh stick to uh, more traditional flavours, but... Um, 
there's also no reason not to push the boundaries if if you're only doing small pies. You, I don't put hundreds yeah. of ingredients on them. I'd rather quality over quantity. So, yeah, I'm not one okay. for for ginormous toppings. I want to keep them more in the Italian style where it's just like packed full of flavour with a handful of ingredients, literally a handful of ingredients on the pie. Is that no, how you. you would be approaching a personal pizza oven or are you a guy that's already after no, the first bake pushing himself into Detroit-style pizza and tavern-style no, or bar-style No, if I had one of these things... I'm going normal on it. Um, although I do like my, my favorite pizza topping right now is from our Neapolitan food truck that goes around to Corey's and it's a uh, sausage, just crumbled sausage yep, and, um, and uh, roasted potatoes, roasted potatoes, roasted in olive oil and just oh. like cubes right on there. Oh, cubes. And it's freaking delicious. It's so, it's so good. Yeah. They're like, they're like inch, at least an inch, two inch cubes yep. and they're cooked perfect. They're very soft and they go great with the sausage and it's got red sauce. It's lovely. See, um, I like the That's um, a great that's a great combo. I think it's the Roman pizza, which is the thinly sliced potato and rosemary. Yeah, I like the I like the Roman pizza. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I like that too. Okay, um, so But this one this one really hits. Yeah. So give me a rundown of your top three pizza toppings, not not styles. Like what are your go tos? Uh, pepperoni and mushroom is my all-time favorite combo. I don't yep. know if I'd put it on a margarita, but it or on a Neapolitan, but it why is not? a great combo. You can do it right again. Just don't see, don't see why not. Yeah, you're right. Um, although maybe with a margarita, I'd switch it. Or sorry, a Neapolitan, I'd switch it to a soprassata or something. Yeah, good choice. Um, but I do like mushrooms on there. Uh, I like the. Um, uh, kind of the classic fennel-heavy crumbled Italian sausage. That's um, what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to add some fennel to the sausage. That's a favorite of mine. Um, if you're really feeling bold, uh, maybe throw some. Uh, I think bell pepper is fine. And I, I'd also be interested in like some um, red onion or something like that. Yep. And then uh, I think, uh, honestly, when I, and this is just back from being in Chicago, I like the like the supreme or like all veg, every veg with olives, the peppers, the onions. Uh, you know, you get all that stuff out there. Maybe put on sausage too with all that. Um, it's it's a lot, and I'm not sure it's great for that style of pizza, but it's perfect for like tavern pizza. It's the best. Yep. Yeah, I. So good. Mine is the potatoes and rosemary pizza that we spoke about earlier. Um, then we're looking at um, the <sighs> mortadella, um, red sauce. Um, oh, mortadella, wow. Yeah, and and cheese. Mortadella is so good on a pizza. It is so underrated. Yeah, you crispy, right? Yeah. And I'm a sucker for the old-fashioned prosciutto and arugula in Australia. Yeah, prosciutto. Good. I like that one. And rocket would is yeah is we, we do jam. that one. and of course you don't you don't in that case the prosciutto goes on after you've cooked the pie at least in my view prosciutto is too delicate to to be putting that into yeah no you can't but you don't you want to put the prosciutto on late yeah oven but the mortadella is a different beast because it's got so much fat and it just makes the pie fucking right. delicious that's right all right Tony 
That all sounds good. I'm excited to see. Make sure you post some pics up. And if you guys want to get on the Discord and look at Tony's pizza pictures, um, you can do that by sending us a note on Instagram or drop us a line in our email. Our Instagram is beerenginepod. Our email is beerenginshow at gmail.com. And we will put you in the Discord. Absolutely, for sure, 100%. Very good. Uh, Tony, why don't we jump into our loggers of the week? Uh, do we have nothing in the mail keg? We don't have anything in the mail keg. Okay. The mail keg is put some mail in <laughs> okay. the mail keg gang. No wonder you're messing me up with uh, the the drops because it was in the show notes as mail keg and there was nothing there. Well, nothing there. Griff's logger of the week. Griff's logger of the week. Griff, what was your lager Hi, of the week? Easy one for me. It's the one I just drank. Afterburner, Oktoberfest beer. I know it's not Oktoberfest anymore. I don't care. I still have some left. Metropolitan in Chicago. Top notch. Best one. Uh, very, very enjoyable. Um, haven't really had anything new lately, so I'm excited to get to the Carolinas and try some, some new fancy lagers, but in this case, it was the Metro all the way. Uh it's just so dang good. Uh, Tony, how about you? For me, there's a couple. One will go in the Lager of the Week and one will go in the Beer of the Week. That's how good the Lagers I had this week were. Oh, Honourable mention, of course, to Hofbrauhaus House and the um, beer that Nick Talk put me onto, the Oktoberfest, uh, that was available at Aldi during their German mm. selection. Um, Three ninety nine, I think it was a bottle. That ship was delicious. But for my Lager of the Week, Goodlands Brewing out of Tarelgan. They've got a, a Marzen, um, just a classic example of the New World version of that, like slightly yeah. more caramelly than the German version, just like we're talking a bee stick more, but still really, really drinkable, 5.6%. Absolutely love it. Big fan of that beer. You know, I would... I did have a fresh hop pills from Occidental that I just want to say it wasn't, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as the afterburner still. Uh, it, it was good. It wasn't punchy enough for me, but it was a really delicious fresh pill hop pills. So I will throw that one out there. If you see that one around, if you're on the West coast, uh, get your hands on it. It's good. All right, Tony, how about beers of the week? That's long enough. I've already got it. Yeah. Hey, so all right. <laughs> I don't need to look it up anymore. Um, all right, go for it. This was another one from Goodlands. It was their beer called Bavarian Nobility. It was a Munich Dunkel. And you know that I'm a sucker for the for the Dunkel. Um, came in at 4.2%. It was a killer yeah. beer. I could drink a six-pack like that. It just drank beautifully. So I know it. Should have gone in Lager of the Week, but it was my best beer of the week, so it pushes up into that range. Uh, the honourable mention this week goes to Kaiju with one of their, like, one-off beers. The Immortal Jellyfish Double Hazy IPA um, Mutation Program 0009. Okay. Long All right. It's a, a, a New England IPA. It was delicious, but it, it didn't beat out the uh, Munich Dunkel. 
for me. All right. Griff, what was your um, most outstanding beer that you've had over these couple of weeks? Because you've been to a lot of places. I'm sure you've had some really killer We're going to go with a couple here. One is a sour. Going to go sour on that. Um, this is from Jester King. It was their Spawn. Spawn is like their goose style that they release every year. Um, and this was a version that they did with re- they refermented with blackberries and cherries. Uh, so Spawn Blackberry and Cherry 2022. Really, really fantastic. Brilliant color on this stuff, like a bright, shining, clear red color. Um, the blackberry and cherry played nice together. I love cherry on its own. I'm not always hot on blackberry beer, but with the cherry, it was uh, it provided a additional nice little mm. sharpness and tannic flavor that I quite liked. Um, so that was one, and I want to give one more to a big fat pastry stout I drank yesterday um, called Paisley Cave Complex from the gang over at Bottle Logic uh, collab with Great Notion. This was a blue bourbon barrel-aged imperial s'more stout with blueberries. So it had marshmallows, cacao nibs, and blueberries. That uh, is it was an fucking old... awesome, dude. It was so much, so much blueberry, but it was so tasty. That's an old-school grip beer. When we started this podcast, that's what you were drinking a lot of. That sort of gloopy. Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not drinking a lot. Of, not drinking a lot of heavy stout anymore. Um, as much. This wasn't gloopy though. This was barrel aged stout. Okay. This barrel aged stout, no gloop. This barrel aged stout. It was just, it was sugar. So I'm not arguing that it wasn't sugar, but the blueberries did hit in there, which was nice because you almost needed, again, like the more tannic flavor or like bitterness of the blueberry to hit a little more because everything else is very sweet. So um, only 12% on this, which I know is not low, but it is a lot less than a lot of these pastry stats tend to be where they tend to be up in 14, 15 and, and above area with the Horaces. This was a little bit lower gravity, which I actually um, appreciated with this beer. It wasn't too thick. It wasn't a big mega thick boy. So um Shared that, you know, we shared that around. It was good. Um, that was that was a quite tasty beer for a for a you know a four ounce pour or whatever. So really enjoyable. All right, Tony, uh, it's that time. Let's uh, let's hop over into some hyper beer nerd dork shit news. Hyper beer nerd dork shit news. I'm going to do the second story on there first, Tony, just if you're wondering. Okay. Um, This is from uh, Good Beer Hunting. Um, uh, So apparently, Kate Bernat, yep, former writer for the Chicago Tribune, uh, beer's sluggish summer doesn't bode well for winter and beyond. So uh, uh, I think it makes sense. Beer companies rely on summer sales to get them through the leaner months of fall and winter. And uh, the months between May and August represent 40% of the annual sales. So uh, this year, uh, beer volume sales were down 5 to 10%. Um, and uh, a lot of that was, uh, oh, they shed 3.7 million barrels over the spring and summer. Uh, and then a bunch of breweries were closing. Uh, you know, we talked about Mickler closing at San Diego Brewery. 
Um, we talked about Stone selling to Sapporo. You know, it's sort of been a weird summer for all these beer companies and uh, the volume's down, which makes sense. Yep. So um, pretty much everybody's down. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. There's also been like supply chain shortages and junk. Um, no, I think there are a lot there's of... maybe some new brands that are popping up too, yeah. but they don't quite have the traction yet. So uh, I don't know. What do you think, Tony? What, what is, is, uh, is our podcast about to die because, um, well, if it were about to yeah. die, it wouldn't have anything to do with this. So. <laughs> but no, what it says to me is it's just a sign of a sluggish economy. Like there, there are numerous factors, but it's not like beer sales are on an island at the moment. With inflation, with supply chain issues, I think this is less a story. Yeah, everything's down, right? Yeah. yeah. Less a story about beer and more about society at large. Now, it, it could be a market for something bigger, but I think the drops in 2017-18 are perhaps they were more a correction than this one is, even though this is a larger correction. I think this just just is a reflection of the current marketplace we're in and perhaps we do need to see a reduction in the beer market as well. It is probably too saturated with too many brands on all all areas of the beer market, whether it be through through your macros or to your craft area, I, I think a small contraction is healthy. I think it keeps the, the industry in check. Otherwise, every dog and his mother can just be putting out crap beer because it, it'll it'll walk off the shelves. And I think you still need a healthy product to, to get it out the door. Aren't there just – isn't there part of this too that's like – uh, well, a people hopping to seltzer canned cocktails or other packaged yep. items, right? So that's happening. B, uh, is there anything to beer being packaged in smaller containers? I mean, isn't that part of it too? So we're moving 22 ounce bombers that may have been more popular in 2016 and 2017. No, nah, um, I, I don't really exist as much anymore. So stuff's getting packaged in smaller volume. No, no? because. No, all right. Because we're talking about volume as a whole, those people that would buy a bomber by two cans, it, I I really don't think I don't. that I, I don't think that's a biggest big enough section of the market to really have an impact. I I really All don't. Right. I, it may have a very small impact, but I I wouldn't even think it'd be like the second decimal point in these numbers. The, right. the change yeah, in packaging, packaging. Yeah. I, I think the salsa is absolutely a completely valid point and premixed cocktails, again, is a valid point, but also taking into account that, that alcohol is a luxury item at the end of the day. It is. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so uh, what is this I was looking at? Okay, so <laughs> Sierra Nevada, who I'm trying to go to in in not in California, California, but their North Carolina production facility, which must be really good. Um, so they're just they they just built some like new f- building just to make non-alcoholic beer and wine or spirits drinks. Um, I mean that's kind of crazy, right? So it, it does sound like this volume isn't just disappearing. It's not people just leaving alcohol. It's that they're just going to different shit. Is what it seems like to me. 
Yeah, there, there's a broadening of the, the marketplace. The amount of pre-mixed cocktails and and other shit that we all imbibe has increased. Um, and did, I, I think did this, you do this to itself? Do you think? Yes. Do, do you think? Do you think crap beer did some of this to itself? Without a doubt, I, it feels like it did, right? To some degree, um, isn't yeah. there? I mean, not to not to not to blame everything on gloop, but. It, as these beers became like more and more bizarre, didn't we get farther and farther away from just drinking a beer, <laughs> like drinking more, more what you would, I mean, I still buy beer. I don't buy yeah. a ton of it, um, for, for the home, but I drink, um, uh, uh you know, I, I pretty consistently drink like normal, very standard beer these days and drinking clear IPA and, and lager. And then, you know, when I go out or I'm, Sharing beers, I, I break out my fancy stuff, but it's in such small amounts that it's it's irrelevant. Um, it, it feels like we we went too hard in the fruity gloop range that everyone just just like, well, I guess I'll just switch to seltzer entirely. I don't know. But you you say that like it's a problem. Like people's change and evolve. Beer doesn't always have to be the number one thing that we Mm-mm. we reach for. It just happens to be the thing that I reach for more of the time. Yeah. But if people move away from from the beer market, well, I'm I'm not going to be shattered as long as the market doesn't look like going away. I don't mind a shrinkage. I yeah, don't mind that more people are drinking. Um, I'd rather get rid of some of the junk too. Like let's pare down some of the the garbage too. Yeah, and and so what if if gloop has led to this new invention of other things? It's it's not a bad thing, and the good companies will continue to thrive. Sierra Nevada are not in any danger of going away just because they're shifting yeah. their focus on production. It's absolutely fine for this to happen. I I think it, a more diverse marketplace is a better thing, and I think more products that could bring innovation back to beer is a good thing um, because I think we're, we could see innovation in the beer world because of these other industries. Uh, in Australia, we're seeing yep. these mass market fruit beers that are essentially just a, a seltzer, um, but they're called beer. Be, um, and, and that's a good thing. It's, it's like I'm not against these beers. The Carlton and United Sungazer or whatever, it's absolutely fine for a yep. – for a, a, a Celsius, I, I would call it a Celsius. They call it a fruit beer, but that stuff delicious. Out, um, and people are drinking it rather than VB and Calton. Great example. That may, maybe if a, maybe if you know, like I, I, I tend to prefer. I mean, I love the, like some of the Bud Light seltzers and stuff, and I'm not drinking a massive amount of those beers or those seltzers, or or really that much of them ever. But. Uh, um, somebody did ask me like, how, how do they make these? And I was like, I, I kind of know, but I wasn't super confident in it. And that's maybe one reason that despite, you know, beer has its own health issues, right? I know, but it's, and it's, and it's more calories and all that stuff, but I am relatively confident. I know what's in it. You know, I can speak pretty, pretty confidently. I'm like, I know what made this taste like this, you know? Um, for generally a West Coast IPA or a Pilsner or something from Freem, right? Some of those seltzers, it's not like um, I, it's like it's not like Bud Light Black Cherry has like mountains of black cherry in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so but- there is some of that where I'm like, okay, maybe there is some value still to, you know, I, some of that. There is some healthy doubt I still have on. Not that the seltzer markets go anywhere because hell, they still fucking like Diet Coke and stuff. But there's still, you know. 
sometimes I don't feel that bad that I didn't, I, I stuck around with beer and didn't jump in head first into ongoing seltzer uh, consumption. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably not as skeptical about this. It's like there are so many fruit beers anyway that have fruit extracts, ac- extracts and artificial yeah. flavors. Who, oh, for sure. Like, no, I'm not saying every beer is, is great either, but it's, um, I also, I'll say that you're in Australia and pretty much every country besides the U S that, uh, is in the first world has, um, better guidelines on the types of things you're allowed to eat yeah, or, or put in food than the U S where most of what we eat is plastic. So, um, I, I guess I come with a healthy skepticism that Anheuser-Busch isn't just dumping plastic into it. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but who knows? I mean, I don't want to get into that too far, but no, um, but I just whatever. Want- I'll still drink Bud Light Hard Cola sometimes because I think it tastes good, but yeah. who knows what it is. It's it's essentially just alcoholic sparkling water with, like, flavours in it. And there's no reason to say that because something is natural, it's healthier than something that's made in a lab. I know there's, like, we always, like, talk about, finely crafted things like I'm making my own pizza. So I like handcrafted and well-made things, but the idea that if it's made in a lab, it's unhealthy for you or if it's natural, it's better for you. There are not necessarily true either way. Yeah. Right. And there's, there's more, there's more subtlety to it than that. Yeah. And I, I think when you're talking about high volume businesses, like your Bud Lights, they're not going to, want to put their customer base in danger because their reliability is such a big part of their business. I think you can trust it as much as you can trust Bud Light and or, or Bud Wiser. They're just sure. big brands that are rock solid. They're going to be as healthy for you as an alcoholic drink can be. They're no worse or better. They, they, they have traded on their reliability for years. It's their main asset. So... If they put that in danger for a fad, that is really bad corporate governance. I mean, a lot of stuff causes um, weird cancers, but I uh, mostly agree with you. All right, Tony, let's jump over to this more fun stuff. Uh, Tony, uh, we, we played this game at the NFL. Uh, we can do it with the NBA too. Which team has the most expensive beer in the NBA this season? Uh, so Tony, if you, if you're here during the NBA season, I presume you're going to want to go to an NBA basketball game, right? You Absolutely. That. Yep. Um, you'd probably go have yourself a, an ale or a Indeed. lager yep. while you did probably that. I, I presume. Yep. I suspect as much. Yep. Uh, Tony. So, uh, I don't know if you looked at this, but, uh, I if have. you, ha- have you looked at this? I okay. Have. So, uh, and, and I think that's fine. Absolutely. So, uh, are you surprised at this? So the most expensive goes to um, the two the two finals teams from last year. Uh, it's it'll set you back a almost baffling seventeen dollars and twenty eight cents American to buy a beer at the Warriors or Celtics games. No. Tony, that is a, a, a remarkable amount for a for a uh, fucking Bud Light or whatever you would get. Yeah, I'm not surprised about the Warriors because you're in San Francisco. I imagine bar prices there for even shitty beer. It's like London prices for beer. That's that's kind of how I would um, 
Yeah, and that's almost that's you're looking at Norway prices for that. That's some shit right yeah, there. Yeah, but you're in San Francisco bucks. these days. You're not in Oakland anymore. I know it's just a trip across the Bay Bridge. Fair enough. But you are in San Francisco these days, so not a shock there. Boston, a little bit more shocked. I really thought they would have been sort of in the Lakers sort of area price wise. That that's one that sort of shocks me. I know Boston is a is a big city. It's an affluent city with with crazy fans, but I didn't think they. It is a very expensive city. It's it's easily one of the most expensive cities in the country. Yeah. Yep. So, um, perhaps my ignorance around Boston and the way their fans talk put them a little lower for me, but certainly not shocked at the Warriors at number one. Nuggets at number two is a shock to me. That one surprised me a little bit. Yeah, so Denver is is almost well. It's still two dollars and fifty cents less. Yeah. Um. At uh, at fourteen dollars and seventy two cents. So uh, I am surprised by that. I mean, Denver beer is very available in Denver. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of good beer pretty much everywhere. Um. I don't know if that speaks to. Are they carrying better beer? I'm trying to see to different pricing. We reached out to the teams directly, but also using. Okay, so this is. Okay, so whatever. This is sort of done. They did some funny math here, but yeah, I'm guessing pretty much everyone told you what their cheapest beer was. I don't know what your incentive would be to tell anyone more expensive beer. Yeah. Um, so we're guessing, okay, 1472 for Denver. Now, Denver has become a more expensive place to live over the last handful of years, especially. So That's fine, but I wouldn't um, think it would be up there. It, should, it be more, should it be more expensive than the Knicks and Nets? Yeah. That's maybe. That's getting, the question yeah. I was going to ask. That doesn't, to me, seem like a good deal. Um, because, like, New York, I expensive city. Yeah, you're going to pay those yeah, prices. Yeah, right up there. Yeah. Um $12 for Dallas and the Pelicans. New Orleans, that's surprising. That's, that's very high for that. Yep. And Milwaukee, Dallas Mavericks. Milwaukee also being in the top 10 is surprising. Milwaukee is next. Yeah. Um, Good beer town. Which is crazy. Milwaukee $2 more and it, to drink a beer at Milwaukee than it is in Chicago. Jesus. So that's maybe Weird, a little I, bit. I Anyways, everybody else is mixed in there. Yeah, what's but up? There are a couple of standouts. Like I would have thought the heat would have been higher. I would have thought Miami. Yeah, heat are only eleven bucks. That's an expensive city. L.A. is a little is not too high either. Yeah, and um, like Utah, I thought may have been higher given like taxation and whatever else. I know they um, they're not limited to four two anymore, but like I just thought with with the um, alcohol prices in that particular state and the power that the uh, Mormon church actually wield across that society, I thought it may have been substantially higher. I think Nobody knows what's going on there. I think the 76ers need to raise prices because their fans are animals. Um, yeah, 920 is too cheap for Philly. Um, the one that blew me away, i got to say, is that it's $5.28 at Cleveland, which is almost cheaper than it is just to drink a beer I mean, in Las Vegas, I mean, just walk like out at the store. I don't, you know, uh, I mean, that's pretty crazy. $5 and 28 cents, the price for a beer at Cleveland, who's going to be pretty good this year. Um, so if you want to go to a, go to a basketball game, watch a good team and drink, I don't know, three beers, three and a half beers for the price it costs to go see the Warriors and drink three beers. Um, 
fuck yeah, you know. Same with the Thunder. The Thunder are going to suck. Um, that they're only six bucks, and yeah. um, Detroit's under seven dollars too. So there's that. So there you go. Go to Cleveland if you want to get drunk. Go to the go to Golden State if you uh, don't want to. Um, if you want to watch a good team, I guess. But just, you don't want to get drunk. Just a quick question: Why didn't you recommend the Indiana Pacers at seven dollars twenty? You're not a fan of the Pacers. Boy, now what? What? What is the eternal cost of having to spend a night in Indianapolis? One <laughs> wonders. Uh, you know, and I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm still paying the price for having spent many nights there over the years um, teaching drumline. So you can't shake that dirt off you. It's like I feel like Lady Macbeth every day trying to scrub it away. Um, Toronto is actually maybe the cheap, the most surprising, by the way. Uh, if you're wondering, Toronto nine dollars forty four cents. I hope that's I hope that's U.S. I hope they didn't use the Canadian they would have price. To. And just, <laughs> they would have to convert it, right? Well, if um, that's Canadian, that's even better. Toronto, I think I think Toronto is one of the. Oh, actually, it is better if it's Canadian. Um, if that's if that's um, if, if I mean Toronto is one of the most expensive cities in North America, so that's that's actually really a really good price for a beer here at, at Toronto. Um, all right, Tony, uh, one more piece of news. Uh, since we've been gone, the great American beer fest has taken place. Um, I did not go. Uh, I do have some friends that went and said they had a, a lovely time. Um, but, uh, I thought we could, um, maybe in, instead of me just sitting here and reading names of breweries at one beers that we've never heard of, I thought we could make it a little more fun and play a round of News the Game. Honestly, one of the more unsettling themes I think you play um, <laughs> is that one. It just it just goes on forever. Um, all right, Tony. So uh, here, let me just let me read this. Let me read this uh, little write up I, I put I put down for us for this one. Um, yeah. So while the winners of the Great American Beer Festival uh, generally reflect the most live trends at this moment in the history of beer, they don't typically reflect much in terms of predictors of future growth. Um, so for that, we look to something like the entry counts. So that's funny, right? You see how many oh, yeah. um, beers are entered in a category and you start to see, okay, our brewers starting to get behind this, you know? Uh, so areas that are having massive growth uh, in entries per year can really reflect some long-term futures for styles that might be new or have felt dated or may have been beyond their prime, we thought. Uh, but at the same time, entry counts that are falling can reflect something that might be going out of style or it's on its way out the door. So today, Tony, you are going to be tasked with a somewhat difficult uh, game here. Uh, you will have to guess how many entries there were in these five different styles oh. at the 2022 GABF. And we're going to play this in a way we've played a game before. You have 125 points to work with. Okay. And for however far off you are for each uh, guess you will be, um, you will have some of those uh, points removed. So if you can guess all five within your 125 
points, you will only ha- you will get to donate uh, one million dollars to uh, your local um, uh, uh, lizard orphanage. And if you lose and you go over the hundred twenty five, you have to donate one million dollars to Adam Jones at Adam Jones. Adam Jones. Uh, you can go Alec. How about Alex Jones uh, Defense Fund? You get to you get to throw a million bucks into there. So. Um, it is a million bucks Zimbabwean dollars, so uh, you know, see if you can get your hands on that. Don't worry okay. about it too much. Uh, one hundred twenty-five points to work with over these five, and and for reference for you, I'm going to give you a reference range. The counts total in the ninety-eight categories, not total of all of them, but there were ninety-eight categories. The lowest amount of entries was thirty-three. Okay, and the most amount of entries was four hundred and twenty-three. So these are all between 33 and 423 entries. And the average was, I would say, about um, 90, I would say. Something like that. 90, 95. Uh, Actually, you know, it's maybe more like 125 is probably what I would take a stab at if I had to guess. I didn't actually add them all up, Tony. I'm not doing that. So, Tony, here's your first one. Uh, this is a favorite style of yours and mine, Tony. It's the German style Kolsch. Uh, and, and German style Kolsch. Uh, the winner in uh, the, the three winners here, the gold, uh, sorry, the bronze went to Hunting River Brewery in Valrico, Florida. Uh, or sorry, it's Bullfrog Creek Brewing in Valrico, Florida for Hunting River. The silver there? went to Wooden Hill Brewing. In no, in Edina, Minnesota. Uh, Tyler, get out here and tell me that's Edna or something like that. Edna, yeah. Edina. I don't know. Cold shoulder, shoulder, cold with a K. The winner was Royal Oak, Michigan's Northern Kolsch by Royal Oak Brewery. So three probably nice Kolsches there. Uh, it's category fifty-six German style Kolsch. How many entries in this category? See, it's in a lot of styles, but I think we've we've sort of seen a bigger uptake in Pilsner, even um, export or whatever you want to call that sort of more minerally style. I think we're seeing more of that commercially. I actually think Kolsch is on its way down, so therefore I, I think it's just around the average. Um, I could be burning all my points right here. It could be still a super popular class, but I'm going to say this comes in at 87 entries. <laughs> Don't, oh no. Uh oh. <laughs> this game was harder than I thought. Uh, Tony, I, uh, to make the rest of the game in- interesting, we will be giving you more points than that. Um, <laughs> Tony, you. Uh, German style Kolsch is a style on the rise. Uh, okay. It is. It had 195 entries for German style Kolsch. You guessed 87. <laughs> oh, uh, so you are going to have an uphill climb here. Uh, you know what? If you go to 225, you have to give two million dollars to okay. Alex Jones. How about that? We're just gonna we're gonna give you another hundred if you, and then you got to do two million, double or nothing. Uh, so that puts you at you've used 108. Now, uh, so there you go. If you the German style Kolsch, I would say is a, is a style that is uh, both consistently popular and uh, maybe even trending upwards because that's one of the most popular in in the. It's, it's maybe not at the very top, but it's probably one of the most popular 15 out of all of them. 
there you go. It was just a, a misidentification of the style more than even even anything else. I, I, by that I mean I just thought Kolsch had had its glory days and obviously not, and that's a good thing. You know what a fan of that beer style I am. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I thought that was good news for us. We were happy yeah. about that. Fucking oath. Let's see what we got here, huh? Um, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna change uh, the point. So <laughs> two twenty five, you have to give two million to Alex Jones, and if you get to three twenty five, you have to um, you have to take some of the um, brain uh, or uh, does he brain have anything that maxes? You have to take some brain force plus if you get to three twenty five. You have to you have to actually try it and see what happens. Or to some you. super male vitality. Do they have the one that makes you shoot more of your load? Does super he make that one that you shoot more nut? That's really, literally so you just blast more nut out. I think so. That's gross. Who who, who wants that? I don't know. Whatever. Um, okay, number two. Another style you and I quite enjoy, and I know Nick Torque loves. This is the English Mild or Bitter. Uh, this was category 70. Why are these uh, the same the style? The Browns. Two different beers. Well, it's a, it's a great American beer fest, so there you go. Uh, the Browns went to uh, Hop River Brewing Company in Fort Wayne, Indiana, for Every Hop is Sacred. The Silver went to... Gravity Heights Brewing in Sil- in San Diego, and the gold went to BKS Artisan Ales in Kansas City, Missouri. BKS, which made me think of um, the BTK Killer, uh, which is a different uh, thing. Not that guy. Now, so I- there you go. English, mild, or bitter. You said the lowest category had 33 entrants. Can I ask what category that was, or would that give an answer in the game away? No, that will not give it away. Um, 33 entries was for German Sour Ale. Okay. Yep, I know know where that is. Now, there there are separate – the thing is there is a separate um, category for Contemporary Gosa. This oh, I yeah, yeah. I was think would be more of like your traditional gosa. So this is um, well, not German, even gosa, German sour. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the kettle sour? Um, Ber- Berliner Weiss. Yeah, style. Uh, I think this is somewhere in there and maybe like, um, what's the smoked one? Oh, uh, Polish. Shit. It's Polish. Grunitsky, is it? Grin, grin. No, that, that, that's just lager. Grisky. I don't think. Oh, is Grzyzki sour? I don't remember. Whatever. Yes, sure. So there you go. Um, it's that was the thirty-three. Okay. I want to say this falls somewhere between the average and where Kolsch came in. I think every should be banging out this style. I'm going to go with one thirty-two. Uh-oh. All right. You're getting closer to Brain Force Plus here. Um, uh, this one had 68 entries. <laughs> How do I English stand mild, a Yeah, you're fucked, dude. This is a tough one. I, I knew this would be tough, um, but the last time we played a game like this, you you did surprisingly well. <laughs> so I uh, I think I, I think I gave you I think I made I made this too this too hard. So that's what that's you're. Right. Uh, that's 60, 64. So Tony, you're you're already a couple mil in the hole. 
Um, so you're at 172. Um, all right, next one. You only got three left. Let's see if we can get you off that brain force. Let's see. Uh, this one's a style. This is a style I loved in uh, the early to mid 2000, uh, sorry, uh, 2010s. I'd say early 2010s, late 2000s. This is the uh, American Belgo style ale. Um, I'm confused. So, uh, <laughs> American, I would say this refers to a beer that is sort of like a Belgian pale ale. Okay. If you're familiar with that, yes. like um, maybe a, a Belgian, a, a, a bear using American, like a, or like a Belgian IPA. Yeah. Um, who made a great one of these? Uh, a, a Stone, I think, made a beer called Cali Belgique. Uh, used to love, and this is 15 years ago. <laughs> no, at least, no, let's say 12 years ago. Um, so the bronze on this went to Taxman Brewing in Bargersville, Indiana. Boy, that sounds like a fun place to go, huh? Um, the silver went to Oscar's Pardon from Haymarket in Chicago. Great brewery, and that's a lovely beer. Uh, and the gold went to Bizarro from Protagonist Beer in uh, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. So American Belgo style ale, aka Belgian American Pale Ale or Belgian IPA, um, category twenty three. How many on this one, Tony? Not many entries on this one. I'm going to say that this is down where the English beers ended up, not where I guessed them. I just. Like, I love this style, but how many breweries are making this enough of yeah. their range to enter it in? I was, I was really hinting that uh, I was drinking them a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know when the last time I had one. I, I can't remember the last time I had one, but, yeah, it would have been maybe 10 years ago. And I'm, I'm yeah. saying not the American style, but, like, the Australian version of a Belgian pale. So I'm going to go 74 entries. You're even still a little high, Tony. It's 34 entries <laughs> on the American Belgo Ale. So you cannot blame uh, me for that one. Come on, like no, I, I think that's an all right guess. Uh, you know what? You're still you're still avoiding brain force. <laughs> you're only up to two twelve. You got 113 uh, spots to play with still. Um. And okay, two left for you. Two left. Two left for you. And these are two beer styles that you and I talked a lot about over the last couple of years of doing this show. Um, boy, almost, almost coming up on three years here soon. Uh, God damn, the drippies are going to come up again soon. Oh, yeah. Shit. Thinking about that. Um, oh, God. All right, next up. <laughs> Get ready for that. Uh, next up is uh, the Fruited American Sour Ale. Oh, this has got to be huge, Category, right? 20, category 25. Uh, the bronze went to Fight the Sour Blackberry Cobbler by Nobo Brewing in Boynton Beach, Florida. The silver, and this is a brewery I'm about to go to, went to the Sour Guava Tangerine at Edmonds Oast Brewing in North Charleston. Uh, and the gold went to Raz Sour from Revelation Craft Brewing, not, not Revolution, Revelation in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Uh, so category 25, 
Yeah, that's right, right there. Uh, fruited American Sour Ale. What do you think about this one? Now, without um, telling me exactly which styles overlap, how many other similar styles would you say are a part of this? There are similar sours, uh, uh, sour categories. You you need to you you need to be careful of that, Tony. Yep. Not to give you too many hints. Uh, there is American sour. There is a mixed culture. There are like wood sours and stuff like that and Brett beers. And um, there is also uh, something called field beer, which has some of your non-sour fruited beers. There's also a category called American fruit beer, which I'm not sure what the, I mean, I think those are like fruited blondes. Yeah, yeah, I guess um, traditionally fermented. There's also some of these categories that have weird fits like experimental beer. Yep, which and stuff is like a that, catch-all. which is a catch-all. Mixed culture Brett beer is in here, so and there is wood-aged fruited sour and stuff like that. So you kind of have to you have to keep your head on a swivel here. And fruited IPA and stuff like that. So yep. Okay, so I'm going to go to sixty-two. Is the amount of beers entered in this category? Even given those varieties of other categories, this to me seems a wildly popular style. All right, Tony. Um, the silence is never good. You are not. You are not taking brain force yet. You are getting close, <laughs> but you're not doing it. There are 184 entries in fruited American sour. Okay, that's um, fine. It's just a big area that I you're have only to cover. S- 78 off, uh, so that would get you to 280, I think. So you have 45 left to play with before you are either becoming smarter or blasting Ultimate Nut into your toilet. Um, and the last category is uh, number five. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, number five is um, wood and barrel age strong stout. Oh, this so is going to be massive. So you got to be careful, though, Tony. There is wood and barrel age strong beer, wood and barrel age beer, fruited wood and barrel aged beer, wood and barrel aged sour. This is all, there's a lot of categories here, okay? So this is wood and barrel aged strong stout. Now, do we have a rough guideline on the alcohol percentage that this beer needs to come in? Is it like 10 to 20? Or? I think it has to be like above nine or something okay. like that. Uh, the Browns went to Rock Cut Brewing in Estes Park, Colorado. The Silver went to this name of this beer. This beer. Um, it's from Divine Brewing in Palm Harbor, Florida. The beer is called Barrel Age Blindfolded Blindfolded Stoutosaurus. Give me a break. And then the gold went to Grist House in Pittsburgh for their eighth anniversary reserve. Um, I'm not sure to what degree this covers adjunct beers. Well, why don't we look? What is a what is barrel age blindfolded stoutosaurus? That sounds like it should have an adjunct in it, right? Potentially, or it could just be a barrel blend. Maybe they're they're taking a couple of years of stoutosaurus. I 
don't know. I'm not looking this shit up. So it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have um, – it, it this doesn't – doesn't necessarily, these are not, not necessarily adjunct beers. I don't think these, I don't think this includes adjunct beers. Okay. You, you, you climbing me off the ledge that I was on and that was, that was towards the very tippy, tippy top. Yeah. None of these have, ad, none of these winners have adjuncts in them. Now it doesn't mean that there weren't adjunct beers in it, but none of these winners, uh, have, um, let me just double check the eighth anniversary grist house one. Yeah, no, the, these do not have adjuncts in them. So this is just barrel aged stout, no adjuncts. Yep. Okay, so I'm still going to go high, but I'm I'm going to duck out of the three hundreds into the two two seventies two seven one is where I'm going to land. I think I'm going to be eating or consuming or sniffing or imbibing super male vitality. Yeah, bad news, Tony. You will be you will be eating super male vitality. Uh, that was actually one of the worst ones you did. What? Uh, not percentage-wise, though. Uh, there are only 170 entries in wood and barely strong stout. <laughs> I'm confused. Um, we all are confused, Tony. There, uh, and that's why the trends have changed. Um, so, I think the reason that number is lower than you might think is because of no the no non adjunct. I'm not sure Bottle Logic makes a non adjunct <laughs> uh, beer, um, Tony. Uh, I failed. Some other ones I want to throw. You failed on this one. That's all right. Let's just look at some of the funny stuff here. Um, you failed miserably. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. <laughs> you're gonna have to start shooting a gallon of semen a night from super male vitality. I mean, you know it works. I mean, whatever. Yeah, look uh, at some that other interesting sense. ones. In- <sighs> yeah, he's looking fully drained. Um, hold on. Where's my big one? The biggest one. You could take a guess, Tony. What was the biggest one? Let's get you something right today. What was the biggest category? Come on, you're, hazy IPA. You're gonna get this right. It's American style IPA, so yeah, essentially. Um, actually, it's not. It is uh, so juicy or hazy. India Pale Ale was the second biggest category. Jeez. Biggest one is just American style IPA, um, which was run by Comrade Brewing in Denver, a great brewery. Uh, actually, North Park got a bronze great brewery too. Um, juicy or hazy India Pale had. 375 entries, American-style India Pale of 423. Um, if you want to talk about areas where I think there's growth, I actually think Kolsch was one of them. Uh, Kolsch has a lot of entries. Uh, a lot of people are making Kolsch. I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah, but I think some of the gloop stuff is falling off a little bit. Uh, specialty Berliner-style Vice only had 68 entries. Um, uh, another area that I thought was interesting was Saison was up to 81. So you okay. might, maybe Saisons are starting to pop a little bit. Maybe we're getting a little more Saisons. Belgian style Abbey ale had 88 entries. Kind of interesting, huh? I could do, I could do that. Um, and then even robust Porter had 73. So I'm not sure how that compares with past years, but I'm actually, you know, I think 
those types of beers, I've seen less of them. So I'm half interested to see if more places would start making like a robust porter or a uh, classic style Saison. I think there's some potential there. So, uh, Tony, that was a tough game. I threw it. I threw a hard one at you there, but, uh, the thing is with the GABF stuff, the winners are so, um, it's impossible to do anything fun with the winners because the winners are so, uh, esoteric that you have no idea. Yeah. You have no idea. I mean, congrats to argument starter from wicked barley in Jacksonville for winning American Amber ale, but fuck me. I mean, how the fuck am I going to do with that? That's not content. It's just junk. Now, you can't well, touch that. Speaking about junk that you can't touch, I did go on to InfoWars to check mm-hmm. Super Male Vitality. Now, Super Male Vitality comes in a vial with an eyedropper. Um, <laughs> how much do you think a tiny mm-hmm. bottle of that is currently selling for? All right, so... Um, what what are the promises made on Super Male Vitality? All the all new advanced Super Might Vale Super Male Vitality formula uses the newest extraction technology for even more powerful concentrates of various herbs and extracts designed to get you even stronger. Um, <laughs> and stronger and, and harder. Harder than a rock. It's available in two, five, and ten packs. Um, okay, so one, you're saying the cost of one, one vial. One vial. I'm going to go with... Uh, how big is the vial? Two ounce? Where the fuck would you put that on the label, Alex, of course? Uh, 59.2. No, that's in mils. Yeah, two ounces. Bang on, two ounces. Uh, All right, I'm going to go with uh, $25. Okay, it's currently on a 50% discount and is available now for (laughs) $34.95. The retail. Jesus Christ. Is sixty nine ninety five. Now get this. Oh no! Get this. So do you pack- take one drop at a time? Because at least maybe that's a lot of servings. There are forty eight servings in a container, according to the nutritional information on this nutraceutical. But okay, so this Nutri- is a- that's barely a month. Not now, even two months worth. Thirty something dollars a month for your. Well, that's what I wanted to here. get to. You say barely two months. This is apparently on sale. I say that because you can get it sent to you as a subscription, as a discounted price, um, and it drops by 10%. But you can get it delivered every 90 days, every 60 days, every 42 days. What a weird choice of days there. Not 45, 42. Every 30. Which isn't, yeah. Well, I guess that way you'd have it before the next time you get a. Take it again. That's every six weeks, I guess. That's the only weird. That, I mean, that's why it's weird. But if you're going to have ninety days and sixty days, just make it forty-five days, then thirty days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And the one that cracks me up: get it delivered every fourteen days. Jesus, how super vitality do I have to be? I don't know, but you can get a true alpha male pack. What does a true alpha male pack include? Oh, I mean, I can't do this when I'm 
Yeah, on the plane, Tony, I'm going to be blasting through my fucking tray table with you my hard ass cock. Because you're yes, going sir. to have super male vitality with alpha powder. And that is available <laughs> now for eighty seven forty. Um I have to drill a glory I have to drill a glory hole into my tray table. And I keep clicking on the reviews thinking that they're gonna because he's got that as part of his website and nothing's available as far as people reviewing this product. You've got the tab. Well what <laughs> it's not good, Tony. It's, well, we're, we're excited for you to try it. Um, <laughs> you're gonna have to get you. We're gonna have to get you a private room at the Gold Coast for this one, or Gold Spike, not the Gold Coast. Um, might might need to get that together. All right, Tony. I think we should wrap this thing up. Why don't you tell people where they can find us? Oh, they they can find us on Untap because even though we took a break from the show, that's where we've been, we've been checking in beers. That man across the road from me in the virtual landscape is Griff AD on Untapped. I'm St. Moz on Untapped. You can send us money, which will then enable you to get into our Discord hassle-free, and you can do that at ko-fi.com forward slash beer engine podcast. We are available to be emailed. Uh, you can email us at show at gmail.com or Follow us for some beautiful pictures. Maybe some pictures of pizza coming up. I make no promises, but potentially. Yeah, put we some are, pictures up there. We are at Beer Engine Pod on Instagram. Griff, how did I do on the outro? Hey, that was perfect, Tony. Uh, next week, maybe we might have a famous comedian, uh, but it won't be me, unfortunately. But uh, I think more than likely there will be some content uh, from uh, a very uh, – but from from Bill Cosby, Joe Rogan, and um, uh, John Mulaney, three <laughs> three non problematic comedians will all be joining the show. So I'm very exciting. All right, Tony. Until next time, uh, let's say bye 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 bye. <laughs>